This week on the show, the NFL Draft is in the books. The Canadian Football Hall of Fame Class of 2019 is announced. The Arena Football League kicks off its 32nd season. And we have the results of our Wonderlick tests. In this week's history lesson, we tell the story of Carl Joseph, a one-legged football player. That and so much more this week in the world of football. Hello? You play to win the game. Personal foul. Pick this up. On number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there <laughs> at the 15-yard penalty. Hey, look out there. You want to get hyped, we're going to throw a forward pass. Signal. 1872 forward pass. Here we go. You're listening to This Week in the world of football, presented by theworldoffootball.com. Promoting the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. And now, on with the show. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 90 for April 30th, 2019. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. I'm here to... Kick butt and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Where's that from? That's from uh, They Live, the famous John Carpenter movie, oh. starring Rowdy Roddy McDowell. I, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, Rowdy Piper. <laughs> Rowdy McDowell's Have you even that. seen that movie? I did, actually. They Live is great. I saw it a long time ago. It's so good. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's actually so much better than you'd think. All right, episode 90, we... Uh, I don't like know how I just tripped you up to start the show. A couple <laughs> of uh, players, famous football players with uh, number 90, who wore number 90, I should say. Julius Peppers wore number 90 for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. And uh, Detroit's own Indomitian Sioux. When he was with Detroit, at least. Played, yeah, wore number 90. So. That's it? You can't even pull anybody famous out of the NFL that wore number 90 Those for were the decades? two. That ju- there's a ton of them that have worn 90 over the years. These were the first two that jumped out at me. You should have picked a, a classic. Like Maybe you a, should come up with those names next week then, son. I mean, that's why we hired a research staff to do yeah, all this right. for us. We come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located here in the center of the world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to help you make sense out of all the football being played out there all year long. From the NFL to the CFL, college, indoor, and arena football, our goal is to inform and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. You can also connect with us on our Facebook and Twitter pages at TWOF Kalamazoo, or send us an email. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. So, let's review what happened this past week, starting with the World of Football scoreboard. That's right, and I'm going to go a little off script here, but we're going to start with the Arena Football League coming back this year. It is week one of the 32nd season. Glad to see Arena Football back. Yes, and this should be the start off. This is the granddaddy (laughs) of all the indoor leagues, so why you're putting it at the end of the rundown is beyond me. You're right, I'll fix that for next week. I'll I'll make that number one. So starting off on Friday night, we had a rematch of Arena Bowl 31 between the Baltimore Brigade and the Washington Valor. And, of course, as we all know, last year the Washington Valor were the team that came out with the victory. But this year it was Baltimore who defeated Washington in a thrilling game, 59-51. to Yeah, yeah. I didn't see this game, but uh, uh, sounds like it was pretty exciting. I'm a little disappointed. Like uh, We're going to talk about them later on, but, yeah, just – I. I didn't know where to find the game. They they don't have a national TV contract as yet. They're still talking about possibly in the next few weeks uh, coming up with a national TV contract. Right now, if you live in any of the cities, you can find it on local TV stations or on uh, you know, like Fox Sports Philadelphia right. or whatever, uh, wherever you're at. So the local people will be able to watch all their games. Uh, but if you're outside of those markets, yeah, you're going to have to go to uh, a website or, or whatever, YouTube, to, to find a lot of these indoor games. Because I couldn't even find highlights, which bummed me out. Yeah. Uh, but then we had a doubleheader on Saturday, which saw the Philadelphia Soul in the first game play against the expansion Atlantic City Blackjacks. And the game was another close one, with seeing uh, the Blackjacks at least hold a lead going into halftime. But it was the Soul that came out in the end, defeating the Blackjacks 48 
to 41. That's a good showing for an expansion team. It was a very good showing from everything I was able to gather from the game. Yeah. And you know what? I saw some pictures at least and uh, maybe a little quick video from Twitter Mm. of of the Philadelphia uniforms. And they look a lot better on the field than I initially (laughs) saw when they did their uniform unveil. Yeah. Okay. And then in the final game, the Albany Empire defeated the returning Columbus Destroyers. That's right. The Destroyers back for the first time since, what was it, 2009? Uh, I want to say eight, eight or nine, yeah. 2008 or nine. It's been a long time since we'd seen the Columbus Destroyers. Yeah. And uh, they came back and unfortunately scored the, uh, the least amount of points in franchise history. Yeah. 30. Previously, it was 24 points. I don't know if you have that in front of you. Yeah, no. I, I remember seeing that, though. The final yeah. score of this game was 35-19. 35-19. To I was about to get oh. there. And uh, great attendance in Albany, uh, a venue yes. we had the pleasure of checking out last season. Yep. Uh, and yesterday's attendance, or Saturday's attendance, rather, 11,682 people. That's a great show. They love their team up there in Albany. Oh, yeah. they they're Probably them and Philadelphia are the two uh, biggest and probably uh, most well, well attended. Well attended. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Well attended of the Arena League teams. Yeah. Did you see the pictures I posted? Of course you didn't. You never checked the World of Football. That Twitter is not pages. true. Uh, I posted some pictures of the uh, Washington Valor Championship rings from last year. Did you see those? Yeah, I sent that to you. Did you? Yep, I sent that to you. Oh, I, th- I just thought it was cool the way on the inside of the ring they had the two logos of the teams and the score right. of the game. I it just, was a really well put together ring. Yeah, I nice like that Valor logo. Nice touch on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the inside of the ring anyway. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Yep. All right. And uh, sorry for throwing you off your game. And uh, I guess we'll finish out. Uh, let's see. we got three leagues left to cover. The standings, I guess we really don't need to go over. No. I mean, obviously, Philadelphia, Albany, and Baltimore all 1-0 after winning. And Columbus, Atlantic City, and Washington will all be looking for their first wins right. next week. Yep. All right. I'll let you pick what league you want to jump to next. Uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we just go back in, in order and, and you can do the IFL. All right. We're going to go over to the IFL, the Indoor Football League, for Week 10, which saw on Friday night the Nebraska Danger defeat the Cedar Rapids. Man, I hate <laughs> saying that name. Cedar the Rapids? Cedar Rapids River Kings, 66-42. to 42. Yeah, I can I'm, see that, well, that might be a little bit of a tongue twister. Cedar Rapids River Kings. Every once in a while I trip on that one. <laughs> Last week I even said, you know, say that five times fast. Mm. And on Saturday night, the Arizona Rattlers defeated the Sioux Falls Storm 63-50. to 50. Also Saturday night, the Iowa Barnstormers took on and defeated the Tucson Sugar Skulls in a very close affair, 61-58. to Yeah. And on Sunday in the final game of the weekend, the Bismarck Bucks got their second win, defeating the Quad City Steamwheelers, 51-48. to So a very good, tight weekend in the IFL Week 10. Yeah, you like to see those those close scores because that's, I mean, it's anybody's game right up to the very end, and that, that keeps the crowd into it, and that keeps the fans excited about uh, the outcome of the game. Definitely, and then on by, we had the Green Bay Blizzard and the San Diego Strike Force, and with that, we're going to look over here to the standings, and uh, we're going to run down those real quick. In first place, the Arizona Rattlers with an 8-0 record, well, followed by... They're going to be a tough team to beat. I oh, mean, yeah. Iowa's right behind them, but my yeah. gosh, Arizona's always just so tough. Yep, as I was mentioning, right behind them, the <laughs> Iowa Barnstormers at 7-1. and one. In third place, the Sioux Falls Storm at 6-2. and two. The Green Bay Blizzard, who didn't play, stay in the fourth spot at 5-3. and three. In fifth place, the Nebraska Danger at 5-4, and four, followed by the Quad City Steamwheelers at 3-5, and five, as well as the Tucson Sugar Skulls at 3-5. and five. The Bismarck Bucks climbing up a little bit, Turning their record to two and six, the San Diego Strike Force at one and seven, and in the basement of the league, the Cedar Rapids River Kings at one and eight. Okay, uh, we're gonna move on to Continental Indoor Football, and Saturday night we had four games, and in the first game it was the Amarillo Venom over the Duke City Gladiators, eighty-eight to sixty-two. Wow. Uh, in the second game it was the Omaha Beef over the Texas Revolution. 48 to 34. Uh, the Revolution were the last undefeated team uh, in the CIF, so no more un- undefeated teams there. Uh, the Wichita Force defeated the Oklahoma Flying Aces 61 to 34. That keeps Oklahoma winless on the season. And the Salina Liberty over the Sioux City Bandits 51 to 49. This game ended with a safety in the final seconds of regulation. Uh, by Salina for the victory. Unbelievable. So that was a very, very close game. Running down the standings in the CIF, this is a week five action. 
In the Northern Division, you have the Omaha Beef at 3 and 1, Salina Liberty 3 and 2, Wichita Force at 2 and 4, and the Sioux City Bandits at 1 and 3. And in the Southern Division, it's the Texas Revolution at 4 and 1, Duke City Gladiators at 3 and 2, followed by the Amarillo Venom also at 3 and 2, and the Oklahoma Flying Aces at 0 and 4 on the season. All right, now we're going to move over to the National Arena League, who's playing its third week of its season. And why bother? They had, <laughs> they had one game this week. Yeah. What kind of buffoonery is this league? <laughs> yeah, everybody else was on uh, on a bye. I understand one. you only have six teams. Right. Four the teams arena, on bye in one The Arena game. League had four teams last season. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing a week where, you know, half the, well, I guess technically <laughs> there probably was at least a week where they did some buys. But, yeah. I mean, nowadays, like, look at the Arena League now with the same number of teams. They have six teams. I don't think there's going to come a week where it's just one arena game that week. I think that is borderline a crime in the <laughs> National Arena League to only have one game. And that one game was Saturday night. The Massachusetts Pirates defeated the Orlando Predators. I can't believe this. 45-12. to 12. It doesn't matter what league the Predators are. And they've always shown up to the games. Sure, yeah. This is the one game they ne- didn't show up for, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's too bad for the Predators. But, yeah, uh, Jacksonville, Columbus, Carolina, New York streets all had buys. I think they probably just they wanted their schedule to to go over so many weeks and and that they just spread everybody out like that. Well, regardless, it brought all the teams have now played two games at the least in the season. As we run through the standings, still undefeated, the New York streets and Carolina Cobras at two and zero. Obviously, they didn't play this week. Mm-hmm. The Jacksonville Sharks stay at five hundred at one and one in the third spot. The Massachusetts Pirates with the victory get their first win of the season. Going to one and two, and the Orlando Predators with the loss fall to one and two, and at zero and two the Columbus Lions in the league, and again they were on by as well. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the scoreboard for this week. Uh, hopefully, your team will uh, do better next week and and get into the win column again. My team. What's my team? Well, I'm talking anybody's team. Oh well, you were looking at me while you said. Don't look at me while you say. Look at them. All right, moving on to some NFL news. Uh, it all revolves around the draft this week. That was the big thing. How, how much of the draft did you watch? I, I didn't see you all weekend long. Well, uh, we, for the preface, we weren't able to catch the opening of the draft because right. we were at the Avengers Endgame uh-huh. screening. Yeah. Which, uh, by the way, I hope you all got to see the picture on the Facebook page we're going to post <laughs> when this episode goes up, I hope. I, I was... I was under duress when I had that picture taken. Yeah, but. we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure to catch your best side before we post it. But uh, we were so we were at the game at the at the end game. There we go. Yeah. And uh, the lights came up and the credits are rolling and we're sitting there waiting to see if there's a scene at the end of the movie. Which, by the way, there's not everybody, so don't worry. You don't have to sit through all those credits. Yeah. But we were wondering when we got out when the Lions would pick, which it turned out the Lions were on the clock yep. when the movie got over, yes. which was perfect. The Lions were picking at number eight. So I had my phone out. We looked real quick at who had been picked so far, and the Lions were in a real good spot. Uh, the guy I, I had wanted them to draft was literally taking a pick before. I'm sure we'll run down some of the first round. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got guys you wanted to mention or just go over just real quick some of the, the big names. But, you know. T.J. Hawkinson, the tight yeah, end from Iowa. That's who was, the Lions ended up picking. But pick. I was saying, like, that's all we caught. and then, Right. Um, so we, we, we saw that live at, yeah, saw that live in then, our theater seats. And then the next day, uh, I had to work. And the draft wasn't until that night. But that night, I had to work again. So I think I just caught like a very tiny bit of the draft on mm-hmm. my phone. Caught highlights of some of the special people giving uh, giving away the draft picks or announcing oh, the announcing, draft picks. There yeah. was uh, a teenager or boy with cerebral palsy, I believe, who mm-hmm. announced a pick for the Ravens, and then there was another. Well, the per- one for the Ravens, that was the kid that was reading it off the blind. Uh, there was the a Braille. second one. Yep. Oh, okay. So then, yeah, that was the second okay. one the Ravens did All where right. a kid was uh, read the pick from okay. the Braille, which yep. was really neat. So the Ravens had a couple of unique picks like that. I saw one where the Buffalo Bills had their super fan. Um, he, like, wears a Mexican wrestler mask. Okay. And I forget what his name was. But he was in the hospital. I guess he's getting oh, some yeah. procedure. Boy, Wire he, was he like called timing him live. Yeah, so, so they let him make the call to the the people who sign out the slip mm. and give it up to the podium, okay. which was kind of cool. 
So I mean, the draft did a lot of really neat things. The the former punter for the <laughs> Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts gave a very McAfee. passionate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that got all over the internet. He yeah, was, that blew up. <laughs> he uh, he stole the show there. He uh, definitely made waves when he did the Lions commentary that week seventeen of the season. Mm-hmm. He was one of the announcers, mm-hmm. so he's uh, definitely going to be a personality to watch out for. I think. Yep. Uh, in the upcoming season, so I like watch the fact. Out, I like the fact that they they went to some of the original. Uh, See, I didn't miss cities. any of that. They were in uh, Rochester, New York. They were in in Hammond, Indiana. And usually, it was like the the mayor of the town was was giving you know some of the the draft picks uh, from uh, different teams, uh, um, which I thought was was nice that they honored the original cities. Right. Uh, the Hammond, we talked about that a few. Hammond ago. Pros, the uh, Rochester Jeffersons. Um, yeah, uh, Akron Akron Pros and the Canton Bulldogs. Uh, it's it's great to remember where this league came from. I mean, my gosh, a hundred years, and uh, it's nice that they they still recognize uh, those cities and those teams. But um, yeah, the, the, for the second year in a row, the number one pick was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of Oklahoma. Yeah, and I just thought that was ironic. Uh, you know. The other, and the other thing was in the number seven spot, two years in a row, a player by the name of Josh Allen, that's right, no relation, yeah, uh, was drafted in the seven spot. So mm. last year it was quarterback Josh Allen taken to the Bills, mm-hmm. and this year it was uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars who acquired Josh Allen, the defensive end slash linebacker from Kentucky. Mm. So how funny is that? The same it pick is. number. It's <laughs> ironic to, to have two two ironic things like that in the same yeah. draft. Uh, and then uh, we should have talked about this last week, um, but uh, we didn't talk about it until after we got done recording. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers schedule. Um, I mean, they, we're not done with the draft talk yet. But no, no, I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of like going back to the last week. So I was gonna say we haven't even talked about any of the draft. Like we're going on to the next news story already. Uh, yeah, we're going on to the next one already. We didn't even talk about who was picked number one. Well, we can. We did. We we said you, you said the Heisman Trophy winner. Two Heisman Trophy winners. Oh, everybody knows it was Kyler Murray. Well, now they do. <laughs> Somebody could have just come out of a coma like three minutes ago and put on our show. Come on. But anyway, we were talking about this after the show last week that uh, Tampa Bay has no home games between September 22nd and November 3rd of next year. Yeah, what a crazy – we were – Looking at that, and I found that little nugget. We were talking about that after the show last week. Yeah. How crazy that is. They have a game in London. They have a bye week, and they have four away games. During that time period, yeah. so my gosh, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, how did it go? Like uh, away game, away game, London game, by game, and then two away games again, or yeah, something like that. It was something crazy like that because the London game was going to be their technical home game, right? But yeah. to not play in your home stadium, <laughs> in your home country, <laughs> yeah, is I'm very. That's going to be a stretch for the Buccaneers. We're going to have to watch out for. Yeah, that, that could be pretty rough on them, especially uh, yeah with a new coach and. Uh, Obviously, they're going to have some new players from the draft. But, I mean, they're a team that was supposed to be maybe on the rise this year, a team to maybe watch out for. But with a disadvantage like that, that's going to keep a team that's already been down, mm. down even further. Yeah. Did you see this other story? Like you said, you didn't, I did not, didn't no, see I'm, a lot of the van. I didn't see this next one, no. Uh, a Giants fan won season tickets for uh, the next 100 years. Uh, in a giveaway that they were doing, wow! Uh, there were they had three finalists. I forget who what teams the other two fans were from, but uh, they had the three of them out there, and uh, and this one guy I forget his name, but uh, uh, fan of the Giants, won season tickets for the next hundred years. Man, and and it didn't say if he could uh, like pass on to pass his was kids. on, you know, like like the season. So ticket. now he's got to spend time going to Giants games, which is bad enough as it is. But now <laughs> trying to find. A way to prolong his life so he can get the most out of a hundred years well, of like, Giants football. Like Packers season tickets, they pass them on from family to family. You know, when somebody dies, right. it's in their will. You know, my son gets these tickets and whatever. But I, I just, I'm assuming that's the case. But I did not actually see that anywhere. But that was pretty cool. I mean, I hadn't even heard of this contest. But they asked people to submit videos and stories uh, to a, to a website, probably NFL.com, and and I, I watched the one for this particular guy. Uh, afterwards and uh you know it was just his kids talking about what a great daddy is what a great fan he is but but they couldn't afford to go to games a lot and uh um you know they'd maybe go to a preseason game every year mm. uh, but uh, stuff like that so it was so it was kind of nice but just the fact that they're giving away season tickets for right. the next hundred years <laughs> you should have did that for every team come on well one fan for every team give somebody hope <laughs> that's true um Quarterback Josh Rosen was traded from Arizona to Miami 
for the 2025th round pick. Uh, he was the 10th overall pick last year. I think we were kind of talking about this. Uh, all the all the talk during the draft was what was going to happen with Josh right. Rosen after they picked Kyler Murray, and and uh, you know it, it took him a while to actually uh, get this trade going. Right, and draft. that's because as we run through at least the top 10 picks, because we haven't done that yet, and should have led with it. Uh, again, another knock on our uh, crack uh, team that puts our our rundown together. Yeah. Uh, number one overall, obviously Arizona Cardinals taking that Kyler Murray. Uh, quarterback from Oklahoma. In the second spot, the San Francisco 49ers went with Nick Bosa, the defensive end out of Ohio State. The New York Jets, with a number three pick, took Quinnen Williams, a, f- a defensive tackle from Alabama. And this was the first big surprise of the draft, the Oakland Raiders taking uh, Cleland Farrell, a defensive end from Clemson. And that kind of shocked a lot of people. The Buccaneers in the fifth but took Devin White, which a lot of people figured would be the case, a linebacker from LSU. But then the New York Giants, and this was my favorite thing for the entire draft, <laughs> uh, took quarterback Daniel Jones out of Duke. And I had no greater pleasure than watching Giants fan reactions <laughs> to this pick over the weekend. Yeah, the Jets and Giants, they hate everything, but this was a head-scratcher. This I couldn't believe this. When you had a quarterback like... Uh, Dwayne Haskins still on the board. Yeah. That would eventually be taken at 15 by the Giants or the Redskins, the rival team mm-hmm. to the Giants nonetheless. But, man, what a head-scratcher that was. Uh, then followed, following the Giants in the number seven pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars took Josh Allen, the defensive end linebacker from Kentucky, which I wanted really bad, mm. but fell one spot short of. Number eight, Detroit Lions, who took T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa. He was the highest tight end draft prospect in the league. Um, good luck, kid. <laughs> um, I'm not mad about the pick, but there are several Lions fans just complaining about this pick. Well, yeah, Nobody I, is ever I happy. Hadn't, I hadn't really heard, heard of this guy, but when I saw his highlights, I thought, I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I think he'll be a game changer. And with Stafford as your quarterback, I think this is going to be a great weapon I mean, for him. Looks like he's good, got good hands, and, and, and he he's can block, block, too. He's a blocker and a catcher. That's like adding another lineman, and, man, yeah. could we use that. So he's going to be a, a good dual threat tight end and then and a run blocker. So what's yeah. gonna have him helping the run game. Yep. Uh, at number nine, the Buffalo Bills got Ed Oliver, defensive tackle from Houston. This guy was projected to be the number one overall pick for a long time, hmm. but fell all the way down to the Buffalo Bills. So I'd say they got a good player out of that. Mm-hmm. And at number 10, we'll wrap, the, wrap that up with the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Devin Bush, linebacker from Michigan. Uh, some other notables. Uh, as we run through the list, I'm trying to think of some of these guys who were talked about. Uh, another Iowa tight end was taken in the first round, Noah Fant. He was taken by the Broncos at number twenty. And I'm trying to see. Well, I. Uh, you know, what are some ones that stood out to you? Well, in the second round, uh, the Indianapolis Colts selected Rock Yasin. What a cool name! I just thought that was a great name, a cornerback out of Temple. And uh, let's see, I'm going through the list here. Well, there was that uh, big draft prospect, D.K. Metcalf. Hmm. Uh, he was taken by the Seattle Seahawks. I forget which round it was in. I want to say it was uh, at the yep, the tail end of the second round when the last pick, uh, wide receiver out of Ole Miss was taken by the Seahawks. And there's a great video of him uh, shaking hands with Coach Pete Carroll in the oh. in the draft room. But he was already shirtless, so yep. Pete Carroll decided to take his shirt off okay, yep. and shake his hand, which I thought was – a kind of a fun, funny moment. Sure, and, yeah. I mean, shoot, if you're DK Metcalf, I don't blame you walking around looking like <laughs> looking like Thor over there with all those abs. Yeah. But Pete Carroll, I mean, what are you doing? Put your shirt back on. In the fourth round, uh, Bryce Love, uh, running back out of Stanford, was selected by the Washington Redskins. And we oh, yeah. we talked about him uh, quite a bit during his junior year because it looked like he was going to go over 2,000 yards. Right. And he kind of had an injury late in the season, so he, he didn't make it to 2,000 yards. And then last year was just – Kind of an average season for him, so we didn't we didn't talk about uh, about him quite quite as much last year. Right. But boy, there uh, two years ago he was just setting the the college football world on fire. So um, he wound up in the fourth round to the Redskins. Um, the Minnesota Vikings in the fifth round they took a guy, uh, Oli Udoa, a tackle from Elon College, and uh, that's an FCS team, the Elon Phoenix. Uh, from what they said, this guy was like a 300-pound lineman that uh, could move. He was really fast and uh, just a remarkable player. Uh, like, I'd never heard of him, but 
uh, I did see a little little footage on him, and man, he he looked impressive. So yeah, they reached down to the FCS level to to get that guy. Indianapolis Colts uh, also in the fifth round they took EJ Speed, which I thought was an interesting name from Tarleton State, and I think that's an FCS FCS team as well. And two picks later, the Los Angeles Tar- Chargers took Easton Stick, the quarterback from North Dakota State, who won a uh, multiple national champions up there and, and uh, the defending national champions in uh, uh, FCS. Uh, and then there was this other story. I don't think I have it on the rundown, but uh, Corey Ballantyne, the uh, cornerback from Washburn, mm. uh, was shot uh, the day oh. after the draft. Uh, one of his teammates from Washburn that he was with was killed, and, and he was wounded. Uh, I'm not sure if it was a drive-by or what, but... Uh, uh, they haven't caught the guy yet that mm. uh, that shot him, so he was he was injured before he could even you know get to New York to to his team. So uh, we're we're hoping for the best for yeah, for Corey. Yeah, what and a terrible thing after you know one of the biggest days of your yeah. life, like getting taken to an NFL team and yeah. then have that happen. Yeah, a sixth round pick, but still, I mean, uh, anybody that that can get drafted by an NFL team is uh, right. Is has got the world on a string, but uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. Well, I'm sorry, I made a mistake here. The uh, EJ Speed and Easton Stick were seventh round picks. Okay, not uh, not sixth round picks. And a couple other players I'm looking out for because of you and our AAF football card uh, hunt we went on for uh, several weeks. Mm-hmm. I decided I saw a box of cards with Kyler Murray on them mm. to uh, purchase a couple boxes of draft cards. Mm. You know, prior to the draft and. Okay. It said two autographs per box. So I was like, oh, what are the chances I could get a Kyler Murray autograph card? He's, <laughs> if he goes number one, mm-hmm. I'll be sitting in dough for the rest of my life. Well, I didn't get that lucky. <laughs> the cards I did get that are autographed, and these will be guys I'm going to probably re- uh, come back and update people on every once in a while. you got to keep an eye on them I think I'm going to keep an eye on these uh, four guys. Two of them went into the draft, the first of which was uh, – Number 67 overall, the third pick in the third round. The San Francisco's took him. Jalen Hurd, he's a wide receiver out of Baylor. Uh, I think he'll have great success there, especially being a third-round pick. I, I assume he'll start or at least you know, see a lot of playing time. And with Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, I mean, he probably will get the ball quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> the other guy was taken towards the end of the third round. He was taken by the Buffalo Bills, a tight end, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss. So... Those two guys, I'm looking very forward to, you know, seeing what they do this year in the NFL. And the final two guys were undrafted. The first being Trent Irwin. He's a wide receiver from Stanford. He was picked up by Miami, so who knows if he makes their roster or if he bounces around during the preseason. And then uh, David Bloff. I would assume that's how you pronounce his name. Blau. Blau, maybe. David Blau, the quarterback from Purdue. And he is going to be challenging the Cleveland Browns roster. So where they're already thick at quarterback and they already got uh, AAF great quarterback uh, uh, Gilroy or Gilbert, mm. whatever his name was. Mm. Uh, help me out here. You're leaving <laughs> me hanging. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Former Orlando Apollo's quarterback is uh, playing. Oh, uh, Gilbert. Yeah, Dan Gilbert. Um, no, that's an NBA well, Start with a G. Well, anyway, the uh, Apollo's quarterback is also yeah. fighting for a roster spot and you already got – uh, last year's number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield there. So sure. we'll see. Hopefully the kid can make an impression and get on the roster. Yeah. And something I was going to ask you, I guess I'll save it because you still got to get through a couple of little topics here. So mm-hmm. I'll ask you at the end of the NFL bullets you got. Okay. Um, I, I always stick through to the very end because I like to see who, you love this. who Mr. Irrelevant is. Yeah. The 254th selection uh, by the Arizona Cardinals. So they got the first pick and the very last pick in the draft. Uh, they selected tight end Caleb Wilson out of UCLA. I would really love to go to this festival that they have for uh, Mr. Irrelevant out in, uh, I think it's Long Beach, California. Um, they have a parade. They have a, a roast and a dinner and a golf tournament and just all kinds of stuff honoring this, this guy every year. And uh, I would just I would love to go out there and, and see this sometime. Um, and I also saw that the NFL estimates that 600,000 fans attended the draft over three days. So an average of 200,000 fans every day. Yeah. This was a supposed to be a record attendance for an NFL draft. 
and it was double uh, last year's record of 300,000 uh, held in Philadelphia. Wow. So, um, I mean, well, okay, this is the one thing I like. It looked like a massive scene. They had those yeah. uh, drones going over the, or the camera. I've seen a little bit of the, the mass of fans. That yeah. What I like Two or three is, city blocks. You know, the draft is now going to be a unique to unto the city experience, which is cool. Like when they announced the picks, they had like the brick wall behind the stage, mm-hmm. which is kind of neat. But what I like is like when you go see like highlights of what teams picked on like NFL.com, the theme was really neat. The way they had like the graphics set up, which looked like your team logo on a guitar pick. Mm. So what I'm like liking from doing the draft this way now is each draft will be unique. I wish they'd get rid of that sterile logo. Like, let's start making, getting them back to unique unto the city. Mm. Just like the Super Bowl logos need to go back to being unique unto the city right. or whatever. Right. But the the just the cool aspect of the guitar pick graphic, because obviously Nashville, you know, Mus- Tennessee, Music City. Music City, was really neat to see whatever team would pick, or you'd go look at the highlights, and that would be a graphic up there. So mm-hmm. that's just me. I just like that aspect of it, like, and I think that's good for the people of Tennessee and of Nashville. Like, hey, look, they respected us and our heritage and incorporated that into this draft. And yeah. luckily they also didn't uh, cut down 20 cherry trees or whatever that was <laughs> that they were going to do. Yeah, I I don't know where that was all coming from. Uh, or you, you couldn't tell where trees would have been or, yeah, or what hard. trees were left behind. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great to watch. And I heard uh, several people say that, that – the city of Nashville did a great job of hosting uh, the NFL draft. So uh, maybe you might see it back there in a few years. I think they'll continue to rotate it around. Uh, but, you know, if you can get 300 or 600,000 people to come to this event, uh, you know, an off season kind of thing, they're going to look at Nashville again and say, yeah, maybe we should go back there in right. two or three years. And, and, uh, but yeah, Nashville setting the benchmark. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, really. All right. My question to you then after the draft, cause we still don't know, who the hard knocks team is yet. Right. And the, the six teams were the 49ers, the lions, Raiders, giants, and Redskins. Is that all? I, I, I just remember the, the Raiders and the lions were talked about. I know there was, there were several, I still think it's going to be Oakland myself. it, It could very well be, but now I'm wondering, and I thought about this after all the stuff that went down, the New York Giants wouldn't be the pick because they had all that uproar with reaching for that quarterback. and Could be. Uh, yeah, where's the most controversy going to be? That'll make for good television. Right now, I would say New York. Uh, yeah, I'd say New York and Oakland are the two more fascinating stories right now. Yeah. But Oakland, I don't know. They just seem like a big old circus already. Yeah. Well, when so. we talked about it before, there was all the talk of where are they going to play next year? Could they go someplace else? And now that's all sorted out, they're going to stay in Oakland for at least one more year, probably two before they move to Las Vegas. So, so. I picked the Giants. The Giants just sound so much more fascinating. Losing Odell Beckham, yep. and now you got this new quarterback that was drafted in the first round to be the heir apparent to Eli Manning. Like, yeah. how is that all going to play out? And like, yeah. And the general manager sounds like a moron because he didn't know <laughs> what conference Ohio State was in. Mm. He thought they were in the Big 12, but mm. we all know for the past 100 and some odd years they've been in the Big 10. Mm-hmm. So I'm just fascinated. I want, it to be the, <laughs> I want it to be the Giants now, and they better not say the Lions or I will be upset. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I'd like that at all. Uh, a couple of last things on the draft. Uh, nobody from Western Michigan was uh, selected uh, this year, and uh, – um, but after the draft, there were three players from Western Michigan here in Kalamazoo oh, okay. that got uh, signed, uh, at least had some invites to uh, some some team tryouts or whatever. Uh, one player went to Minnesota Vikings, another one went to the Oakland Raiders, and another one to the Cleveland Browns. And there were actually actually some uh, Division II schools that had some players picked up by NFL teams also. Uh, Saginaw Valley State had one. Um, let's see, I got it written down somewhere. So Saginaw Valley State. Uh, had one player that was signed by the Ravens. Grand Valley State uh, had one player signed by the Bears. And Ferris State had two players signed to NFL teams, the 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Awesome. So good for some teams here in Michigan, even down to the Division II level, yeah. for possibly kicking off their NFL careers. Did, it, did we have the story about uh, Nebraska not having anybody selected? No, but uh, that's a fascinating. I did see that. 
50, no. 56 years. Yeah. Uh, they've, they've had somebody selected in the draft, and this was the first year that nobody from Nebraska was selected in the I NFL draft. I don't blame draft. nobody because they were awful the last season. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have taken any of those guys. That's kind of what they were saying in some of the news reports that, uh, you know, they, they're, they've been down for a couple of years. But still, I mean, Nebraska I mean, is one, one, of, one of those schools that, that everybody, you know, wants to pick from. They Tough defensive players and, and whatnot. You know, linemen come out of there. But, uh, yeah, uh, breaking a 56-year uh, string of wow. having somebody picked in the draft every year. That, that is shocking, especially considering how many picks there are in a draft. Yeah. Like, but not one. 254 this year. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, when, when somebody from, what was that college that you were talking about, that real small one? Elon uh, College. Yeah, when someone from Elon College gets picked before a Nebraska player. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. It's crazy. You never know what you're going to get with the NFL draft. That's very true. Just ask the New York Giants fans. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on to some CFL news. The uh, Canadian Football Hall of Fame class of 2019 was announced this past week. Uh, five players and two builders. The players are running back John Cornish, who played his career in Calgary. Uh, wide receiver Swervin Mervin Fernandez, who played with the British Columbia Lions. Wide receiver Terry Greer from Toronto. Wide receiver Ernie Pitts, who played with Winnipeg and the BC Lions. And wide receiver David Williams, who played with the Ottawa Rough Riders, the Toronto Argonauts, and the... Oh, wow, he played for five different teams. Ottawa Rough Riders, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and the BC Lions. And in the builders category, former Saskatchewan club president Jim Hobson was inducted, as well as legendary University of British Columbia coach Frank Smith. So congratulations to all the folks up there in Canada that uh, are now in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. They'll have an induction ceremony, I think, in September. I don't have it written down here, but it's usually sometime in September. They have a Hall of Fame game in Hamilton to uh, kick off their uh, couple days of celebration up there, and the Hall of Fame is at uh, the stadium there in Hamilton. Tim Hortons Field, so uh, congratulations to the seven new inductees to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. All right, moving on to some college football news. Uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney signs a 10-year contract worth $93 million, <laughs> making him the highest-paid coach in all of college football. Worth the money, probably. Is it worth but, the money? But uh, if you can pay a coach that much, why, why aren't any of these players uh, – being treated better. <laughs> well, I think when you win a couple of couple, a couple of national championships with a bunch uh, of players that years, uh, put their bodies and lives on the line, for I don't think pay, player players should be. I'm paid. not saying they should be paid, but I do think there needs to be some sort of the, the college football. And this is a whole other tangent. College football makes way too much damn money. It college is, football it by is itself, a big money maker, but college yeah. sports in general. <coughs> excuse me. There's got to be a change, and I'm not saying pay the players, but I'm not not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying they're getting a free education, and which uh, yeah, I agree. You're getting a free education, which is perfect. But maybe like on the back end, like says the guy still paying off his student loans. Yeah, no, I I don't think they yeah. need to be paid, but but uh, I don't maybe not paid, but there needs to be something like they just need to tweak that system. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, at, I don't have that on our rundown because uh, I printed this off a couple hours ago. It, but since then, I found out that there was an obituary, and it happened just today. Um, Gino Marchetti, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, passed away today at the age of 93. Marchetti played college football at San Francisco and was selected in the second round, the 14th overall selection of the 1952 NFL Draft by the Dallas Texans. The Texans played only one season in Dallas, and then uh, Marchetti and the team moved to Baltimore, where they became the Baltimore Colts of today. Marchetti played in Baltimore from 1953 to 1966 and won two NFL titles with the Colts in 1958 and 1959. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1972. So condolences to the family yes. and friends of Gino Marchetti. All right. Um, lastly, uh, one... Uh, one birthday today, Dave Meggett. Uh, you probably never heard of him, but nope. uh, he's turning 53 years old today. He was a kick return specialist and played for three NFL teams, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, and the New England Patriots. And he won a Super Bowl with the Giants 
and that would be Super Bowl 25. Wow. So happy birthday to Dave Meggett today. Yeah. All right. Uh, we kind of teased this last week that we were going to take the Wonderlick test to see uh, how we did and how we compared to some of these NFL players. And I, I told you last week, I do not do well on time yeah. tests. This whole process was not what I expected, and we didn't get the scores like I thought we would. Like a lot of the, I was going to hopefully have a list of the players and what their scores were, but they actually get a, a, a number, like uh, a, a 32 percent, or percentile. It's it just a number. They got like a mm. 32, hmm. and we got a percentile, uh, which is not even super specific like with mine. So... Go ahead and, and give your results. Well, my results, I guess I entered 20 out of the 50. I don't know if that's answered correctly or just I think that is. I think it is answered correctly. All right. Well, apparently, some of those I don't know where you get a correct answer from. <laughs> but apparently, 20 out of 50, I couldn't even finish the quiz. It was, uh, sure, yeah. what was it, 12 minutes long? Yeah, 12 minutes. 12 minutes long. So I got, I want to say I got to about question number I was in the mid twenties, maybe even got to thirty. Mm-hmm. So twenty out of the fifty, uh, and it put my score in the range of the forty-first percentile, mm. which I would assume is a little below average. I'm not sure. I don't That's know. just what mine was—the forty-first percentile. Yeah. I mean, and what would you get? Uh, not quite as good. I answered about twenty-six questions, and that's as far as I got. Uh, and of those 26 questions, I got 15 of them right out of 50. Uh, I was listed in the 19th percentile. And, uh, and then it said I, I finished at 30%. So I don't know if that was, you know, the number that you got. Uh, com- you, would you say you had a 30-something? The 41st percentile? Well, I don't know. It, it's, it is kind of confusing. But mine was 19th percentile. It said 30%, and I, I answered 15 right out of uh, 26 questions out of the 20 out of the 50 questions but it was it was hard it was hard so like a, a lot of these guys go through i could understand like why they would have a yeah a little wonder like score because if you're trying to do it right you're trying to answer every question possible but I, that's probably not the point yeah well a lot of them were were multiple choice i mean they they gave you four answers right. to pick from you know they'd say uh take this number multiply it by two uh minus 35 and then add six or something like right. that and they'd say which is which is the the correct number and my, they would have four answers to my, pick from my favorite was if you and so and so started right next to each other and then moved three meters apart and then moved three meters you know, in, in the same direction. So you'd be mm. six meters apart. Then it's, if you went three meters to the left, left again, how far apart would you be? And I was like, <laughs> well, that still would probably be six meters. Like, I, some of them you had to really think about it. And you, you, you second guess yourself a lot of times. Mm. And I guess that's why this test is built is for to see how quick, you know, right. guys are thinking on their feet. Right. So another question that I had was uh, unscramble this word. Yeah, and and I just wrote gibberish because I didn't know. Does the unscrambled word, uh, is the unscrambled word the name of a state, a country, an ocean, a city, or something else? And like the first one I had, I I had uh, uh, Pacific. You know, this I think it said Pacific. That's what the scrambled word looked like. So I said it was an ocean. I can't. They don't tell you which ones you got right or whatever. Right. But that's so weird. That, like mine, they just said unscramble this word, and I was like, I have no idea. And they didn't give me any options after that. But yeah, and you could, you had to answer that question. You know, that was not a, a multiple choice. Right. You had to type in what that word was, and uh, uh, it wouldn't let you go on because it, the, I got a second one that was much harder, and I just I just hit you know enter or whatever, and right. it said, oh no, you got to put something in the box because we need something. I and I think it was the word architect. Huh. But I'm not sure. But I I put down architect and then I went on. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I hate time tests because I kept looking up at the clock, you know, and it's counting down, you know, right. to, to zero. And I just it just freaks me out when I have to time test like that. Um, yeah, if you had the time to to really think about these answers, uh, it'd be one thing. But yeah, they they're, they want to know how you do under pressure. Yeah. Uh, answer is I don't do well under yeah. pressure. <laughs> I didn't do terrible, but man, I was trying real hard to get them right. Yeah. But then also be quick. So. Yeah, and I said last week that I thought I had a link to the Wonderlick test on the World of Football website. I do. It's under uh, the NFL. Uh, okay. It's one of the, the links under so there. One of that's it's probably the one we should have done. It's a different site than what we yeah. got. What we that did. That probably would have been the But it's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's a sample tests or whatever. 
Um, and I always wanted to take it because I wanted to see what it was about. And it's basically what I thought it was going to be. You know, the questions were similar to uh, what I thought. But, yeah, the yeah. Un- unscrambled words just <laughs> really threw me because I, I stared at those for a long time yeah. trying, to, trying to figure out what, what I was looking at. So, all right, so we finally did a, a wonder lick test and yep. uh, maybe we'll do this every year around uh, uh draft time See how much Just, dumber or yeah. smarter we got yeah sure and there was a, there were two versions so, yeah. and we took the 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 full you know 12 I minute wa- test i want to get my score i want to know my actual score like players got like a 20 or a 19 like no they never say percentile yeah so i want to know my actual score like did i scored a 20 like yeah. what did i score i don't know yeah the other test was a uh three minute test that had 15 questions and, yeah. I think 12, so, maybe 12 questions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we went with the, the full test. So I got the full amount of harassment mentally from doing this. Okay. Well, I guess we're, uh, ready to move on to this week's history lesson. Yep. Unless you saw something online that, uh, has come up in the last, uh, little bit. I don't know. I have, uh, not really been browsing for news. I've just been uh, making conversation with my dad on okay. a podcast. Well, in that case, why don't we just uh, move right on to the uh, history lesson. And uh, this week's history lesson is about Carl Joseph, who was a one-legged football player. Don't feel bad for Carl Sugarfoot Joseph just because he was born without his left leg. That never kept him from doing anything he ever wanted to do, especially when it came to sports. In high school, he played three sports, basketball, track and field, and yes, football. He was so good that he earned eight varsity letters. In track and field, he was a district champion, winning the high jump with a leap of 5 foot 10 inches. Joseph also competed in the shot put, discus, and javelin. In basketball, he could dunk, block shots, and he averaged 10 points and 8 rebounds in his junior year. In football, he played nose guard and once recorded 11 tackles in a game. He also blocked punts, batted down passes, sacked quarterbacks, and recovered 15 fumbles. He never used a prosthetic leg while playing sports because he said it only slowed him down. In 2009, Joseph became the first disabled player to ever be inducted into the Florida High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame. He was recruited by University of Pittsburgh coach Jackie Sherrill to be the football team manager in 1980. He then returned to Florida and attended Bethune-Cookman in Daytona Beach. He played four years for the Wildcats as a backup lineman, fullback, and a special teams player. Today, Carl Joseph is a middle school teacher and a football coach in his hometown of Madison, Florida. He continues to inspire young people, showing them that the only limitations in life are the ones we place on ourselves. So that's the story of Carl Joseph. I thought it was fascinating. Mm. I've uh, never heard of the story. You told me that's what it was today, and I I thought of Tom Dempsey, but I was like, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> no, it, it, I've seen some YouTube videos uh, of this guy playing in high school. And uh, the fact that he went on and actually played four years of college football also uh, is uh, is incredible. So uh, just a great story. In fact, I actually found him on uh, Facebook today. Mm. Um, uh, you know, as I said in the uh, uh, history lesson that he's uh, uh an elementary school uh, or middle school football coach and a teacher in his hometown of uh, Madison, Florida. And he's also uh, uh, the lead singer of a gospel group that they've got down there. And uh, just, is there anything this guy can't do? Right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I sent him a friend request. We'll see if he uh, uh, friends me, whatever. But uh, just, yeah, great story. Uh, great person, Carl Joseph. I'm going to post a video from YouTube uh, of him playing uh, uh, high school football. So, in the uh, in the coming days all right moving on to our uh, upcoming events calendar we have three events left in may <laughs> well left in may it's not even may yet but uh, for the month of may we have uh, uh, may 2nd cfl draft which is basically a conference call between all the teams no big hoopla like the nfl draft there's going to be an NFL owners meeting down in Key Biscayne, Florida on uh, May 20th through the 22nd. And the CFL preseason kicks off May 26th. Man. So that's some events coming up uh, in the next few weeks. 
CFL is right around the corner. You know, they have their draft on the second, and uh, 24 days later, they're kicking off their preseason. And then something new this week that you said you wanted to do last week. We have the list of upcoming games for this coming weekend. And where there will be broadcasts, so you can yep. check them out. Yep. In the National Arena League, it's going to be uh, the New York Streets at the Carolina Cobras. Uh, Jacksonville Sharks are going to be at the Massachusetts Pirates. And the Orlando Predators are going to be at the Columbus Lions. The National Arena League has a YouTube channel that you can catch the games on. And uh, um, there's, there's no broadcast network. They might be on some local TV stations in their home markets, but uh, they do have a YouTube channel. A couple of these leagues have YouTube channels. Yeah. Uh, in the Arena Football League, Philadelphia is at Baltimore. Columbus is, is at Atlantic City. And Washington is at Albany this week. And again, most of their games, or I think all of their games, are on the local Fox Sports networks. And uh, there's also an AFL app that you can download and watch games on your phone. See, I haven't uh, tried that yet, but that'll probably be something I do. Or you can uh, check them out on the AFL website. Uh, there's also a, a Monumental Sports Net, I think, carries the games also, if, uh, if you really want to see some of these games and you're not in any of these cities. In the IFL, uh, Nebraska is going to be at Arizona. Bismarck at Green Bay, Cedar Rapids at Iowa, Sioux Falls at Quad City, and San Diego is at Tucson. And the IFL also has a YouTube channel. I Which think you, you checked that out. I've caught several games through that, and I would say they put on a decent show. It's usually the uh, the radio broadcasters are doing the announcing. Oh, and okay. So the audio comes from a radio. The audio comes from that. Uh, sometimes it's spotty, but I think for the most part, it's pretty solid. Okay. And in Champions Indoor Football, it's going to be Wichita at Sioux Falls, Duke City at Salina, Omaha at Oklahoma, and Amarillo at the Texas Revolution. And they have all their games on something called Pluto.tv. Pluto TV, yeah. Free. Okay. It's free. Um, I don't even think you have to sign up for it. You can just log on there or download the app, and mm. it's right there. Several free channels. They have a lot of different stuff on there for you to check out. I had no idea that the CIF was on this app at all, but I'll probably be checking it out. Yeah, I remember they were on there last year, and I always wanted to check out a few games, but uh, it, just, it just seemed a little weird, uh, Pluto TV, but I guess it's becoming more popular. Yeah, with, like with uh, my roommate and I have watched it before. We found some nature shows. They got a lot of movie channels, mm. and we've watched, like, Mystery Science Theater on there before. Oh, okay. They have, like, a whole channel dedicated to that almost. So they got a lot of interesting stuff, not great stuff, but... Uh, now that I know that the CIF's on there, I'll check it out some more. Okay. All right. Uh, well, if we don't have anything else, that's everything I had on the rundown sheet yeah, for this week. Here. All right. Well, I guess we'll call it a show then. If you learned something from this week's podcast about the incredible diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories, pictures, and highlights from all over the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And oh my God, we forgot to talk about Game of Thrones, the greatest episode of all time. How and we we'll not see you next this? week. No, we're and we'll see you next week. We have to talk about this episode. There are so many. There are so many. So knives. Close. So close so to many, getting out of here. Just stabbing, and <laughs> fire, dragon.